Another L for Michigan hoops. Seven in a row, the Wolverines have lost their ninth consecutive L on the road. And they start off uh, March, how they had uh, continued to uh, play uh, last month and the month before, really, since the first three games of the season. Uh, Welcome in. Thanks for joining us here. It is game number 30 on the year and the last road contest for Michigan basketball of the season down at Ohio State. Wolverines double-digit underdogs on senior day in Columbus, and it was a five-point deficit at the half. 32-27, Michigan was down. They trailed by as many as eight, but they got it down to five at the break. And U of M got down 15 pretty early on in the second half. A little surge there from the scarlet and gray. And the lead hovered around double digits, uh, double digits, I'm sorry, for the majority of the second half. But then there was a, a kill shot with uh, six minutes remaining around there. That kill shot, it was a 10-0 run. It ended up being a a 12-0 run. Put the Buckeyes up 23 with a few minutes remaining. And that was that. Uh, A late three by Michigan. Results only in affecting the final score. 84-61 to is the final. 23 points. Michigan goes down in this one. So what can you say? Well, it was, uh, you say it was worse than you thought it was. Um, yeah, well, Michigan was a 12 and a half point underdog. They got beat by, they got beat by 23. Uh, So yeah, it it was, it was worse than it was kind of looking like it would be. And, and there's no positives in today's game for Michigan. And, And if you're, you're watching Michigan at this point, you might go in, you're a Michigan fan, and you watch the Wolverines. And you certainly watch them when they're playing Ohio State. And you're going to see what they might cook up on a Sunday afternoon. A couple games ago, I don't even know if you would call it a, a shred of uh, of light, something to lean on. You could possibly conjure up something like that. It was like Michigan against Purdue when they lost uh, to the Boilermakers after the game, Juwan Howard uh, effusive in his praise of his team for not quitting battling against the Boilers uh, in a loss. Uh, he liked the fight uh, from his team. Not so much these last two games. Uh, Michigan got rolled in Piscataway. The Scarlet Knights. Maybe they watch this, uh, this Michigan post game pod. And maybe they, Watch Michigan play all year long. And if you put on the tape of Michigan, Michigan defensively, we know they're not very good, but they're they're really poor in transition, and they really have a hard time stopping the ball. They're not so good at stopping the ball in the half court either, but really in transition, they have a difficult time getting in front of their man, competing, all of the things that, you know, you might want to say, but it's tough. And I think the Rutgers came out and said, guys, 
keep taking it. Don't give it up until they make you. And it was a layup line, a dunk line for the Scarlet Knights. And I saw a little bit of that from Ohio State. Key right off the bat, jam. And there were a lot of baskets taking Michigan off the dribble to the hole because Michigan is not good defensively, standing there, guarding their man, communicating. And, and like I said, being able to, to uh, make sure the number one principle in defense, this is not any kind of advanced metrics or coaching theme or anything else. Anywhere you could go, you, you probably you know pull out the, the John Wooden handbook of, of coaching. And right there on the first page, the Wizard of Westwood probably said, to, to lead off of his book, stop the ball. It's the number one thing you got to do. And in Michigan, not able to do it. They weren't able to do it again uh, today. Let's look at some of the the numbers for the Wolverines in this game and see. I said there were no positives. Maybe as we look through and and check out the box score, we'll be able to find one. Terrace Reed Jr., four points. No. TW2, 13 points. No. Cheddar had seven points. Cheddar shoots 55% from long range, and he was uh, one for one, which does beg the question, why doesn't he shoot more? Uh, and that's a decent question. You know, he had, I was going to say, tracing back to the Northwestern game that he missed with a fever, and then the next game you could see how winded he was. You could say it has a little bit to do with his conditioning and being sick, but it's really been like this all year long. And, and Cheddar – as much as I like to root for him, and uh, I, I know that there's a lot of folks that, and, and you're a basketball fan, that's what you do. You talk about the rotations. They want it. more cheddar, more cheddar, more cheddar. And and cheddar for the month of January really didn't do anything. So uh, Doug McDaniel, a couple highlight real moves, but 7 of 21, 1 of 6 from downtown. He had 19 points. Nothing to write home about there. Namari Burnett had maybe the dunk of the game. Ohio State had about five, six dunks, but Burnett had a nice, uh, as uh, Spiro Didis called it, a right-hand tomahawk, I think he called it. Eight points for Burnett. And then you go to the bench, and I can't tell a lie. George Washington was first off the bench for the Wolverines, but – Nothing to show uh, for GW3, 0 of 2 from uh, the field. Both were threes. Did pull down a rebound and had a turnover, uh, George Washington. Yo-Yo played a couple minutes and had uh, two points. And then Trey Jackson, you know, the speaking of rotations, you know, I get the guys in practice can earn playing time and, and you, you know, you mix things up. And so George Washington was off the bench early and, and got a little burn at the Value City Arena to see what he could do. But a Trey Jackson, who has shown the ability to, to score for Michigan, he doesn't play at all, and then suddenly he's in in the second half. I, I don't know. I don't get that part of the rotation. I don't know how they earn their minutes there. Uh, it is a little bizarre. But when you're losing like that, you don't have a lot of bench. I know you're going to try a lot of different combinations. It still doesn't make sense. And then there were a, a bunch of guys that uh, got in late. Cooper Smith out of Celine uh, ending up with uh, let all bench players with five points. Nice job. Cooper Harrison Hockberg out of New York got on the uh, 
got in the uh, scoring column as he uh, knocked down a free throw late. And there it is. Aaron weighing in on watching Michigan. And he says, uh, you got to root for them when they're good. And also this season too. Now, Aaron, I don't know how old you are. And, and I, I think it's commendable for, for fans to have that approach. And you can say, look, I'm a Michigan fan through and through. It doesn't matter if they lose every game. Uh, I'm going to be there. I'd give me a badge. I mean, I'm going to be there through the thick and thin through this team. Again, admirable position. And I'm like that as well, mostly with my teams. But I'm not looking down on the new generation. I think that there's a point to it. The younger generation, they're not like that. Even if they are big Michigan fans, there's too many things for entertainment nowadays to stick with your team when they're this bad. I was up at six o'clock in the morning on a Sunday and in years past and decades past, certainly not just the last few years. I there's been a lot available. I'm talking about like back in the day, if I'm waking up at Sunday at six o'clock at six o'clock in the morning, there's nothing to watch. There's nothing on TV. Now there's a million things that I can watch on TV and in sports, I can go back and watch Another million things. Just the point is lots of entertainment, lots of things that are jockeying for a position for, um, you know, you and what you're, what you want to do entertainment wise. So it's good. It's nice to stick with the team through thick and thin, but you kind of get the younger generation. It's like, "Mm, I'm out. You know, (laughs) I don't know if they would have even begun with this game today, you know, Michigan, you know, if people weren't tuning in for this one you know, on the other side, it, it's understandable. And then, you know, if you don't like negativity, some people like the negativity, you know, some people don't. And, you know, Michigan, it was pointed out like in the last few ball games, these 20 point plus losses uh, on the road, nine straight, there's really nothing, you know, that you're looking at. You might be the kind of fan that's saying and, and wondering if there's going to be a move with the head coach and you might take your frustrations out online or whatever, wherever with the athletic director saying, he's not doing anything. And you might be right. He might not be doing anything. He might've been sitting at home uh, and with the beautiful weather and, and you know, out practice, you know, practicing some chipping out in his backyard and it kept me four o'clock. And it was just like, yeah. I'll DVR it. I don't know what Ward Manuel's doing. But you, as a, a Michigan fan, you, you you might think that the behind the scenes that you know, Ward's got a, a list of potential coaches and he's back channeling and, you know, he's prepared for anything. You would think that that's what a – that would be part of – that's the job description of a good athletic director. That doesn't mean he's going to make a move at the end of the year. And, you know, people got upset a couple of weeks ago and he's like, man, hadn't thought about it. What? You got to be patient. Michigan has one more game in the regular season. That is a week from today. 
in a week and a half, there'll be uh, a Wednesday night. Michigan has secured the 14th seed. They uh, will be in dead last for the first time in almost 60 years. These are all things that uh, after I would assume that Michigan gets beat in that first round game, eh, they got to win it, but I'm going to say that they're just going to go out and lose that in Minneapolis. Unceremoniously, it gets bounced. And then Ward, who will, will be in Minneapolis, will have to start thinking about and taking stock in this team. And what will he have to lean on and say, well, like, did they, what did they do in their life? Did they fight? They didn't at Ohio State. Certainly didn't at Rutgers. Uh, they they lost by 10 to a really good Purdue team, and Juwan Howard is really proud of his team. Is that going to be enough? You could be watching this or listening to it and saying, are you crazy? That's not going to be enough. And I, I, I get that line of thinking. You know, the, the broadcast crew for CBS, you know this in football, they, they talk about they get to speak with the coordinators before the game. And the broadcasters, they get to meet with the coaching staff whether it's in the morning or the shoot around or the, the day before, night before, if they're in, they are in and, you know, they'll be able to talk. And, and you could tell that the broadcast crew had talked to Juwan and they had talked to somebody else out on the staff. I thought it was interesting with uh, Spiro Didis, who's the play-by-play guy early in the second half when they started commenting on the uh, distractions that Michigan had had this year. And, and you could say it was an excuse. It sounded a little bit like an excuse. But uh, let me let me pull that up, what uh, Spiro had to say. I quoted him. Uh, Spiro Didis on Jawan Howard in the first half. Quote, even if you're a Michigan detractor, it's hard to really evaluate considering everything that they've had to deal with. The 10 games he, he's talking about Jawan Howard, missed that really limit him, limited him in terms of how he was able to coach the team during the offseason and the summer months. All right. Now, Didi's didn't just make that up himself. And I don't think you know, he could have got that from, from Howard talking about uh, his open heart surgery. He said he knew that this was the broadcast team relaying the information that they got, that he knew he had to do it in June. Uh, what this sounds like is a combination of talking to Jawan Howard and then Phil Martelli. Martelli, I could I could just see him saying, yeah, are you kidding me? All summer long, he had open-heart surgery, couldn't coach his team at all in the offseason. And then for the first 10 games, it's, it's not. That's huge. And then, of course, you know, they, they added on the road suspension, the bizarre road suspension that uh, for McDaniel. And what else did they uh, – oh, the, if Kamwa – uh, uh, being out. So you can say those are uh, excuses and it's just something that I want to put up there. That's, it's something that, that the, I'll say pro Howard, you know, Martelli's still pro Howard, John Howard's pro John Howard. This is what they're emphasizing that the coach in June knew he had to have open heart surgery and couldn't work with the team all off season. And then the first 10 games he was out. Uh, that's tough for any team to overcome. That's where you can think if you're a Michigan fan and you're thinking, well, what's Ward thinking? And Ward mentioned Howard's uh, health. 
Keenan says anybody willing to wait another year to see if this can be fixed is a, a lunatic. Eric says Juwan needs to go, but if he comes back, he needs to revamp his staff and do a lot of other stuff to give himself a chance. Usually that's what happens, Eric. It's a good point. Whether Saudi Washington, Phil Martelli, Howard Isley, and Chris Hunter, director of basketball operations, need to be refreshed whether they're doing a good job, that's what you do. You you go into, let's just say, for instance, that they are going to run this back, which I know, you know, I would say 95% of Michigan fans don't want any part of. But let's say that they do that. That's likely that there would be a, a coach over there. And when you say you do a lot of other stuff, I see people talking about admissions and like, oh, yeah, they're really going to have to do something with admissions. Folks, admissions has been like this for a little while. Michigan is not changing admissions. They are not going to get Caleb Love, uh, the Caleb Loves or the Terrence Shannon Juniors or the Antonio Reeves. They're not getting those guys. It's just not happening. They shouldn't recruit them, but those guys show interest. They need to be able to vet them and, and look at the academics a lot faster than they are. Maybe they can speed that process up where somebody comes in and they're a junior and want to transfer and like, Hey, you know, none of your credits are going to transfer. So you want to come in here and start over? Is that what we're talking about? I don't even know if they could do that. Are you ready to go to summer school uh, full time? Those discussions need to happen immediately. It didn't seem like they, those uh, discussions happened, certainly with Caleb love. Who at the end, it was like, that guy had no chance of getting in here. But it seemed like Michigan was uh, not that they were saying that he was going to get in. But Love thought he was getting in, and they should have said that's not happening. Or they should have been out trying to get somebody else. I don't know. Was it a, a, a one in a million chance? And they were like thinking they had a lottery ticket. Could have been that one in a hundred, one in ten. Is it a good idea, even if it's a ten percent chance that they're going to somehow be able to get Caleb Love in? That they shouldn't have had any contingency plans there because in the end they didn't have any contingency plans. But what about Lee Alija from Argentina? That was the contingency plan. Kobe says, "Why is he still here, Ward and Howard?" Well, Ward is still here because uh, Ward is the athletic director and Michigan's making money hand over fist and the athletic department has never been healthier or making more money. And you say, but what about basketball? Okay, there there you go, basketball. It's a big, big, um, big deal for Ward Manuel and how he operates. I am going to say, look, I know everybody, I'm not. Look, it sounds like I'm going to defend Ward Manuel just because I'm not going to say, fire him! I'm going to wait to see what he does after the season with the basketball program. But that's fine if you want to do something and and get ahead of that line. It's understandable. This isn't a one-off season fixer-upper. I would agree with that. But what about the transfer portal? Yeah, we've kind of been over there. OT wants uh, Juwan to get another season. 
Aaron on the feedback says he would not fire Juwan so soon after his health concerns, but there definitely need to be some changes in this offseason. I don't know if the answer is a player or personnel, but something isn't clicking. Well, you're going to get a new uh, strength and conditioning coach. Is the one that you had uh, couldn't get along with the coaching staff. Eric wants to do a comparison with football. If people want to compare Howard to Harbaugh, then Howard should try to do what Harbaugh did after the COVID year. Yeah. I, if people don't like that comparison. The comparison is, if, if you're not, I think you know it, but so I'll try to get it out of the way quick. Uh, Jim Harbaugh couldn't beat Ohio State and and – went over five would have went over six and a lot of people after the COVID season or yeah after the 2020 thought that Jim Harbaugh should be fired not just some people the I would say the majority of fans vast majority of fans and I would say the majority of alums and players wanted Jim Harbaugh removed after the 2020 season and Ward Manuel to his credit did not remove Jim Harbaugh and the rest is history with him. So a lot of people are saying, let's do that with uh, Juwan. Now where the comparison stops, you can say, well, Jim Harbaugh had success in the pros. Jim Harbaugh had success at college. So he had had something to, to lean on where Juwan doesn't have that. That's the difference, but there is a similarity there where you could say, yeah, you're super, super, super duper. Patient with Harbaugh, and this is his guy. I'm 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 going to say I'm sorry to people that watch or listen to this, that tuned in to, you know, hear that everything is over for sure for Juwan. We're just counting out of days. The season's over. Who's going to be the next basketball coach? And make it sound like there's a chance that he's coming back. I do believe that there's a chance coming back that he's coming back. That doesn't mean that I want that to happen. But if I had to predict today, I would say that he would not come back because there's just nothing to look at that's promising for this team in the future. That's where I'm at. It's not that I don't care about admissions or I don't care about NIL and that has to be uh, worked at certainly the name, image, and likeness, and in the money, yeah, uh, you can you, you better with with the ruling this week and the NCAA coming out and saying, yeah, we're not. They the NCAA came out this week and said it's upfront money time. It's guaranteed money time. Pay to play is on. That's what the NCAA said this week. If you missed that. There, there's been these antitrust court situations, one in Virginia, one in Tennessee, and the Tennessee one this week uh, happened, and then the NCAA came in and said, yeah, we're not looking into any, into any um, pay-for-play stuff right now, which was the green light for any team out there. And look, Michigan, NIL worked. And it was a part of getting them a national championship in football. And I, I know that it's been something that they've used for at least 20 years of like, we don't pay our players. We follow the rules. All right, okay, that's good. But now it, it's never been more 
wide open where they're not only saying that like everybody was doing it before and there was no enforcement. Now the NCAA is is saying, yeah, you're not supposed to do this. Uh, we got a hundred court antitrust situations going on. The, uh, the dam is broke. Maybe you could say while the, the river's raging down into the valley, you could be standing there with the NCAA like, you know, you, you're still not supposed to be paying the play. You know, even if they do say that, they said that because they lost and they're losing all of these court cases. It is on. Would that be the glimmer of light where Michigan's like, no, now we can't. Where is Ed Martin? A legal Ed Martin, not one that's, you know, getting his money illegally through gambling and, and has the FBI breathing down his neck. Where's the money bags, Michigan? Go out and buy, you know, four or five players. I don't know where they're at. It's going to take a little bit of an adjustment. And I don't think if there's, if there's, Money bags, Michigan men out there that are ready, they're 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 you know more likely to pour their money into football. They they need a they need a basketball, not a bag man, a a, a basketball uh, investor that wants to give millions of dollars for I don't know what kind of return of investment it is. A handshake and a pat on the back and a couple pictures and say look. There's a couple million. Let's go. But that's not, that's not the panacea of, you know, Michigan just backing up a brakes truck. As somebody mentioned, it is, uh, it's a, it's going to, this is not a one-year fix. That's the tough part. If you brought it, I don't even know. Okay. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I was going to say, I don't even know. And, and I'm sorry if somebody, this is going to make you cringe. Is I bring up his name and people cringe now. Jay Wright is retired. There is no indication that he's coming back to college basketball. In fact, he's 100% of saying to anybody that will listen to him that he is done. But let's just say that Jay Wright came into Michigan next year. Jay freaking Wright. Uh, you making him the highest paid basketball. Michigan wouldn't be any good any next year. Oh, so maybe the following year, well, maybe. Even with the very best coach that would be out there. You should be reminded that the last time Michigan lost 20 games in a year, and they uh, lost uh, today, uh, their, uh, another loss for U of M, which put their record at 8-22. Uh, and 22. Woo! What was my point? Oh, my point was is that John Beeline came in in his first year. Michigan lost twenty games, so whoever comes in, if it's Jawan Howard, and and that's where it feels like it might be delaying the inevitable. I don't know how it's working through Ward Manuel's mind. He may just be thinking, "I'm watching, uh, I'm watching golf. I'm watching the final round out at, uh, you know." wherever the PGA tour is at uh, jump in on some live. I'm not watching Michigan and he's already made up his mind. He's like, I don't care what happens. I'm just going to give him another year. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to do any work. I can just say I'm patient. Uh, people will 
we'll bitch and moan for a couple days, maybe a couple weeks. It'll come up over a month or two, but you know, not people aren't going to bitch too much. It's not football. Football does all right. That'll be cover for me anyways. I'm good. Kick the can down the road or that. So I don't know. Colby wants a, a list of coaches that would replace Jawan Howard if he gets fired. Care to share? I have shared. You want you want uh, three names that I would go to, and I would look. I watched uh, South Carolina yesterday. Lamont Paris, I think. Would be it uh, would be one. I think McDermott at Creighton would be number two on my list. This is not an updated list because I don't think like no Jay Wright, no Calvin Sampson, Nate Oates cost too much. Shaka Smart's going to cost too much. So McDermott. Lamont Paris, and uh, I like the coach from Indiana State and Drake, but I like Wes Miller's background. So that's where I would be, Colby. Lamont Paris, Wes Miller, Greg McDermott. Those would be the names that I would look to. Blank says you have to get rid of Juwan. The team is not improving. He's just guessing with the rotations he uses. I can't argue that. Ben said it's a good win for the Buckeyes. U of M will get back in there. What I have to apologize to any Michigan fan a month ago when I said that it would be Bush League by Ward Manuel to fire Juwan Howard, that it's not the way that I would want to see him operate. Uh, Juwan Howard's a Michigan man, all of that. At the end of the season, you want to make a, a move, that's fine. But I thought it would be Bush League a month ago. And I had people saying, you know, this is big time basketball. Forget all of that. It was Bush League what uh, Howard did with Sanderson, a strength and conditioning coach. It's Bush League to get rolled up like they are every single night. And you folks have a point that wanted Juwan Howard fired during the season when I said I thought it was Bush League. And, and I did think it was Bush League. But Ohio State in five games has completely turned their season around. They didn't bring in any free agents. They didn't. You can't do that. It's college basketball. Ohio State has won four of five games since they fired their coach, including today's victory. Today's 23-point tune-up of Michigan. They are four and one. They have put themselves in consideration of making the NCAA tournament, and nobody would have thought that was going to happen five games ago. And yet, what happened? They fired their coach. That's what happened. And they turned things around. So one of those guys is probably going to get fired anyways. Howard Eisler or Saudi, if, Saudi Washington, if. Juwan Howard gets a job. We're just talking. I'm speculating of it. But what are those guys? Should they have been given the opportunity for over a month? Like, like what has happened with uh, OSU? I will say that the people that wanted that to happen, I thought that they were just, you know, like being malicious, like, I'm just so sick of it. Eject him now. And I thought, okay, you know, hold, hold on, I thought. But 
you folks, I apologize to you folks that were saying that because I think that you're right about that. Feedback is still coming in. This one is from SSWBK, who writes in that Jawan should be fired. But the problem isn't the coach. There is no talent on this team, and there won't be any until Michigan is going to start cutting the players some checks. That is part of it. You could do that now. They need to they need to line up their money. That that is true. That seems like it's uh, is that number one. What talent acquisition? You know, like so. Uh, uh, just a little while ago, that's not a panacea. You can't just throw money at the problem. Talent is an issue, but, uh, you know, is development an issue? Here's the part that I will say, I don't know, I'm not struggling with it. I was having some conversations uh, last week about this. And a friend of mine, there's a big college basketball and a big Michigan guy, likes Juwan Howard, thinks he should get another year, like OT. And he points to admissions. NIL, and then he points to the success Howard had in his first three years. Now, before you say those were all John Beeline's players, there's some truth to that. There was some John Beeline influence. Uh, They were taught by John Beeline. And so that, that part might be a faulty argument to you. And, and to me, I give credit to the coach who coaches the team, but I also do have to look at the beeline influence to the Howard influence. Like, so we're looking at the team right now with Howard. They, they don't look the, the offense looks terrible. They stand around. It's mostly just a ISO ball one-on-one play. It looks like some kind of G league stuff. It looks like an NBA all-star game without the all-stars. That's how they play. No defense and they got nothing. Now that's how it looks. Terrible. Embarrassing. All those things. And yet in the year that Michigan went to the elite eight, Juwan Howard's second year, that team was awesome. That team played with, you know, steely eyes. That team shared the ball. That team, you know, they did all the things that you would want. Except in the Big Ten tournament. I didn't like that last second shot that they had Mike Smith just uh, dialing up a three. But, you know, hey, there has to be. It couldn't have. It wasn't all. I know that. Here's the narrative. Because all John Beeline's players, they know how to play. Juwan was just along for the ride. You know, he had the success. And now that he has to coach and acquire the players, look at him. You know, he can't do anything. I don't think that's, I think the truth's in the middle somewhere. I don't think Juwan Howard completely doesn't know how to uh, coach. I don't think it was all John Beeline. But I, but I do think there was some, influ- uh, there has to be some influence there that you have to say, well, now I'm just talking. Yeah, I know. I know about OSU and their coach. Leroy says there's plenty of talent to not be 822. A good coach has this team around 500. Well, 
Lee, Roy, I think that is what Ward Manuel is going to have to determine. And that's why he is going to have to make the, the move. The health situation and how it affected this team. If Jawan Howard was 100% healthy, do I think this team, this is what he has to ask himself. And I'm going to ask myself, I haven't really asked myself this question, but I'm going to ask it right now. If Juwan Howard was 100% healthy, had no open heart surgery, he was with the team all summer long, he was with the team for the first 10 games, what do I think? What position do I think that this team would be in right now? I think they would be in the same position. Michigan started the Michigan season. This is how the Michigan basketball season went. Michigan was great out of the gate. Not good. Great. Michigan came out in their best part of their season was their first three games of the year, which I gave them an A plus for. Can't get too far ahead of yourself, but they played a UNC Asheville team and almost scored 100 points. They gave them an A+. They were sharing the ball. Everybody looked fabulous. Kamwa fit in. Doug McDaniel looked like a superstar. TW2 was firing them up from uh, from everywhere and draining them. And then they followed it up against Youngstown State again. Scored in the 90s. They look great. I didn't give them an A-plus in that game, but I gave them an A. They won that game by 30. Two games in a row, 2-0, and A-plus, A. Then they went on the road. You say, well, let's see how they do away from Ann Arbor. They went to New York and played St. John's. Namari Burnett went crazy in the first half. Doug McDaniel had 26 points, double figures for Reed Jr. on the glass. Michigan's 3-0, and and they looked not good. They looked great. I gave them an A-plus against St. John's. A-plus, A, A-plus. So this part about, well, John Howard didn't have an influence he wasn't with them for the first two games. Their best basketball was when Jawan Howard was not with them in the first three games of the season. Now, why did this team not give the defensive effort against Long Beach State in a loss uh, at home back in November? Why did they play like they... Uh, thought they were the NBA All-Stars against McNeese State. I don't know. That's got to be the coach. It's like last year. They played that way against Central. No effort. No compete. That's the coach. They don't have the talent. That's true. But they also don't play hard. Bad combination for a team that doesn't have the talent. They don't play hard. They don't compete. They don't fight. They don't play defense. There's really no sign anywhere that you would look. There's no sign of coaching anywhere from this team. As bad as you could say that these players are, the roster, and they don't have any bench. I'm with you on that. And, you know, the coach is the one. He's picking the ingredients. He's shopping for them. So that's part of it. But then they don't play a game 
that if you're a fan of the team makes you think that you want to be a fan of the team. They don't do things to, they don't, they don't play a team game. If I had to put some theories out there and why it started falling apart, I would say it was because one of the factors and it would be Howard's kids. Jace would be a fine walk-on, but Jace was given a scholarship and he has not produced. And so that scholarship has gone to Jace. And if you, if you could say that it didn't look like he deserved getting that scholarship and that he hasn't played up to a scholarship standard, I would say yes. And you could say, well, why did he get the scholarship? I would say because he's Jawan's kid. And, you know, maybe it was a package deal and Jawan's like, hey, that's my son. And that's the way I did it. Well, if you lose, then you are going to get charged with nepotism. And that's the charge. Shouldn't be on the team unless he's a walk-on. Now, Jet is a fabulous player, but the the culture with Jet Howard last year was like Michigan had turned into, instead of the University of Michigan, like the G League Ignite. Michigan played a game like they, they're playing in the G League. Run! I don't watch G League, but I'm guessing. That G leagues get your own. Let's fire up some shots for the scouts. Let's play a AAU type game, and that's what Jet did. Jet reminds me of Gerald Wilkins. People probably know who the human highlight reel was. was it uh, Dominique Wilkins, one of the most ferocious, one of the great NBA players, a dunk machine best dunker ever in game in a basketball game. Uh, I'm not talking about the, uh, in the layup line or at the, uh, the all-star slam. I'm talking about during a game power dunker. Dominique had a brother named Gerald. He was not a hall of famer, but what Gerald Wilkins could do, you would watch the, the Knicks in the first quarter and Gerald Wilkins would have 20 points. And then you would look at the final box score and Gerald Wilkins would have 22 points. And no one, if they had a Hall of Fame for first quarter players, Gerald Wilkins would be a first ballot Hall of Famer. That's what Jet was with Michigan. He'd score 30, he had 25 in the first half. But he never came up big in a big spot for Michigan last year when they needed him in a close game. And they lost all their close games except the one where Hunter threw that 30-footer up uh, against Indiana and won. That was the only one. Other than that, Jet disappeared. It was appropriate that he went to the Magic because he had a disappearing act the entire time, and that affects your culture. And then we find out, and I don't know what's true with Sanderson or not, but the charges are that Sanderson didn't like the culture at Michigan and that Jason him had some uh, conversation. And that, you know, so it, 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 maybe that's part of it. Maybe I'm talking about what I don't know what I'm talking about, or maybe I'm talking about that stuff I don't know, but somebody should come out and correct me then because that's what it looks like for me. If you want an opinion on where this has gone wrong, it's with the Howards and the Howards and John Howard's sons. And the the culture around Michigan basketball because of that. 
That's where I'm at with it. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. And I'm not taking a, you know, as much as, um, as you know, Juwan's family members like to go on Twitter and, you know, fire about, oh, people don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Well, tell us what's going on behind the scenes then, because that's what everyone thinks is going on behind the scenes. Don't hide behind you don't know what's going on behind the scenes and then offer up nothing that is going on behind the scenes. Tired of that. What's Juwan doing when he's standing up there? Uh, if he's going to give effusive praise about how proud he is his team and how they fought in a double-digit loss to Purdue, then call him out the way they played these last two games. Ole defense, pathetic display against Rutgers, and then they followed it up today. Juwan, what would you think of the game? Well, we hung in there until that – Until if, if basketball – was a a 30-minute game, we might have had a shot to be in this one. That's what I wanted to hear from Juwan Howard. But unfortunately, in winning time in the last 10 minutes, my team just checked out. I told them on that, uh, that eight-minute timeout, guys, we're within seven. We've got the bus. We're turning on the water. We'll be out of here. We'll have our food in another hour. We'll be home. Don't worry. We're all good. Guys, we only got one more of these to go. I'm not sure what he was saying in that timeout. He might as well have said that because that's what it looked like. That that was what the message looked like because the team suddenly Ohio state was shot out of a cannon and Michigan wasn't getting back a defense at all. They were standing there with their hands down by their sides and they were watching Ohio state just come down and fight and dunk and layups in Michigan. They're just standing there watching them for the last 10 minutes of that game. If you bet Ohio State, you're probably pretty happy. It looked like it was going to be, whoo, boy, it's going to be a tough one. That 12 and a half, the number's right there. It's coming down the free throw. No, it's not. No, it's not. Michigan uh, went into the fetal position of that one. They, you know, they were getting their pats on the head for, for fighting so hard, being only down five at the half. That's it. That's where I'm at. That's how I feel about it. I want to thank everybody for joining us. Oh, I do want to look at the upcoming schedule. Now, I put the upcoming schedule in here, and then I do, in fact, I know everybody knows it by heart, but I also want to tell everybody about the very feed that you're watching or listening to right now. If you did not know, The Maize and Blue Reviews, good afternoon, Michigan football and basketball comes your way three times a week. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, that means we will be with you tomorrow at 2 o'clock, and we are live. We hit the live button, and we're coming on. We're talking about Michigan. A lot of combine. Michigan lost at Ohio State, but they won the combine in Indy. Oh, did they win the combine? Now that's something to get to. That's if you like, if you like wins. You might like to stay in the moment and say, yeah, but it's basketball season. I get that. One more. That's it. A week from today, high noon. 
Nebraska, who served up Michigan a huge beatdown just a little while ago. What was that, last week? Week and a half ago in Lincoln? Woo, boy. Michigan was down 30 in the first half, I think. So here come the Cornhuskers. Well, Michigan. I'm not a fan of, in general, of the springboard to next year. Let's just say for for whatever, for this argument that Michigan beats Nebraska next Sunday. And, you know, Juwan, he just tear it up. The guy's played for oh, I got the I got the win against the Cornhuskers. If there's going to be any springboard, then it should be springing them to Minneapolis. And they're in dead last. We all know that for the first time in 57 years. The springboard would need to happen with, take a look at Ohio State. They have a springboard. They've won four or five games, and they put themselves in conversation for the NCAA tournament. Michigan, I don't want to see a win against Nebraska and then bow out Minneapolis and say, well, you know, at the end of the year, there were some bright signs. No, there wasn't. I'm not uh, coming up with a bright, unless there actually is a bright, um, I, I have to apologize. I said earlier that Michigan lost by double digits to Purdue and the, you know, the, the bright light that Juwan was showing, uh, but they lost by eight in that game. It was the first game that they had covered the spread or whatever that's worth. It's, it's worth something if you're, were uh, were betting. You're probably betting against them because they were uh, 0-19. Not funny, but they're back. Uh, they were 1-19, 1-21. Michigan is in their last 22 against the spread. I'm not telling you what to do. That's a pretty compelling number, though. I don't know if Ward's going to be looking at that or not. Yeah, so me trying to cook up, well, could there be a sprint, I don't know, a win against Nebraska? Follow it up with three. Get to get to the weekend. That's all. There's no reason. Beat Nebraska. Get to the weekend in Minneapolis if we want to have any kind of springboard positivity at the end of the season. If not, I don't see any positivity for Michigan right now, basketball, except that the season will be over, but then it'll be frustrating because folks, college basketball, we are two weeks away. One week away from the end of the regular season, a week and a half away from the big 10 tournament and all college basketball postseason tournaments, which I love. And then two weeks away from selection Sunday. Michigan, we have known for a long time that they will be sitting at home for that. And that's where I want I want to I want to be with Ward Manuel on Selection Sunday. Maybe he will have made a decision. From, and we don't know how the tournament is going to go. We can say they're probably going to lose their first game. I would say that's probably a, a good bet. Bet! If Howard is still the coach for Michigan, I want to have a selection Sunday. 
where we just have to sit there and watch all of those teams' names go up there. One of the great hours. It's actually about one hour, but they stretch it out. It's a it's one of the great hours of anticipation of being a college basketball fan of the season. Selection Sunday, you got your bracket, thinking about all these things. Where's the team going to go? Let's look at the road. Oh, this is tough. This is easy. Michigan's not going to be there. I want to watch that with Ward, Manuel, if he is is keeping. And I want to watch it with OT. We know you're not going to be out there snowboarding. There's no snow for you, OT. So you can come hang out with me. And Ward, and we'll watch Selection Sunday, that hour. That's what kind of the spot that I'm at right now when it comes to Michigan. Vaughn says, Vaughn, his first delivery, Michigan is playing a game of which I am not familiar. Yes, the culture has changed, and it's not for the better. Bingo. There it is. Thanks so much for, if you watched this podcast, the cast all the way through, God bless you. We will, we will do it again a week from today with Nebraska coming in and then it'll be tournament time. Big 10 tournament. Michigan's in. They're in. There's no intrigue. We know they're going to be on the 14 line. 14. Bet that one. Michigan to win the Big Ten tournament. All right. The final thing that we have for you is to put up the Michigan record. It does feel like and seem like I am piling on when I put up their record. It's bad. Three and 16 now in the conference. That is the worst in 57 years. They will finish uh, dead last for the first time and since Cassie Russell left the team in the 60s. Eight and 22, ninth road loss in a row. They've been getting uh, beat pretty bad, double digits, 20 points or plus on the road, seven in a row. And so, you know, all of those streak numbers are, are really bad. But it's where it's at when it comes down to it. Michigan got beat by a lot today. 23, it ends up being 84 to 61. Have yourself a great rest of your Sunday, folks. Take care. <laughs>